Welcome to Dry Clean Only, conversations on fashion and style. I'm Kristen Cole, and this is episode 12, where I sit with Silvana Ward-Durrett, the CEO and co-founder of Maisonette, a curated children's fashion and design marketplace, a first-of-its-kind e-commerce store based in New York that has an offering of brands and items from baby and kids up to preteen, some women's gifts, fashion, and toys too. Fantastic store. I'm also joined by a guest co-host today, Anya Tyson, who I've known for many years in fashion. She's a consultant specializing in strategy, business development, and sustainability, culture, and impact. She has a newish sustainability newsletter that I'm really enjoying called Present Tense. She is also a fellow working fashion mom, so we are both excited to learn more about the founding of Maisonette today from Silvana. The three of us chatted over Zoom from Brooklyn, Soho, and Tribeca, and if you'd like to learn more about Maisonette, you can find it online, of course. Don't miss their blog, Lay Scoop, where parents can find lots of interesting information, or follow them on the gram at Maisonette World. Okay, so we are in April. Spring is finally here in New York. Everything is in bloom. This week I was away in Palm Beach visiting our family for our children's spring break. It was exceptional to get away, to actually go on vacation outside of the New York area. So that was pretty exciting. It had been some time for our family, (laughs) given everything. Um, In Palm Beach, I actually went out and visited some shops uh, which I had not done throughout the pandemic. There was so much action down there. It was kind of like, you know, what's happening in the Hamptons during and post pandemic, wherever we are in that. Uh, the little island is bursting with new retail, restaurants, and galleries, many of them from New York. Fairly strange to eat Saint Ambrose, shop Kierna Zibet, go to the Webster Pace Gallery, Levy Gorvi all along Palm Beach's few retail centers. I saw more secondhand impeccable Birkins and Kelly's for sale on Worth Avenue than I've probably seen in my entire life. I was able to break in my one new spring fashion splurge, which is a pair of white Gucci loafers, uh, the Brixton. I've had my eye on them for some time now and they look amazing with vintage denim and seemed very at home in Palm Beach in a sea of beautiful loafers. They are so well-made that I will probably have them forever. I wore my new Paravel Eco Canvas travel tote in flight. And if you missed that podcast, I interviewed Paravel's uh, founder, Indre Rockefeller, on episode four, a very impressive sustainable luggage company, and I'm such a fan now. Being on vacation, I had the pleasure of binging We Crashed and finishing Bridgerton finally, Uh, I hear there are more period dramas coming, so that's pretty exciting if you're into that kind of thing, which I am. I read Pure Color on the Beach, which is uh, written by one of my favorite contemporary fiction writers, Sheila Hetty. It's gorgeous, strange, existential, apocalyptic gem of a novel. I highly recommend it. Uh, And on the flight back, I had some free time to finally sink my teeth into researching the eight LVMH prize finalists. They were announced uh, just a couple weeks ago. These are the eight finalists from around 2,000 applicants uh, around the world. There is no shortage of talent in fashion. I think we all know that. The industry is just brimming with exceptional innovation and incredible design. I was pretty blown away by these designers. Uh, ERL 
which is a very vibey collection out of LA. Uh, I believe they're out of Venice Beach. Ashlyn, a beautiful collection that I would definitely wear. An experimental take on tailoring. Also has a piece at the Met Costume Institute in the part two of American uh, in America, a lexicon of fashion, uh, which I'm yet to get up to see, but I will soon. Uh, Knowles, the Charlotte Knowles and Alexander uh, Arsenault UK-based line. Um, pretty pretty sexy, really beautiful design. Uh, Royzon Pierce, uh, an Irish designer. And if I was getting married again or married now, this is what I would be wearing. Um, I'm going to mispronounce this name, even though I've studied Japanese, uh, out of Japan, Ryan, Ryanosuke Okazaki, um, which are just incredible kind of red carpet, you know, event avant-garde showstoppers, beautiful designs, SS Daily out of the UK, a lot of really cool wearable things in this as well. Nigerian designer Tokyo James, which I just loved, and Winnie New York. Very um, impressive presentation. So yeah, I want to talk to all of them on this pod. Hopefully I'll have them on at some point. That's all I've got today. On to what we are here for, which is my conversation with Sylvana Ward-Durette of Maisonette and Anya Tyson. And welcome you to the pod. Thank you, Silvana, for joining us. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks, ladies. Awesome. So first of all, Silvana, tell us a little bit about Maisonette. Anya and I, you know, both are very well aware of it, um, having children, being in New York, but we'd love to know a little bit about, you know, how you frame the brand. So I started Maisonette in 2017. Um, at the time, I had two children. I now have three. My co-founder had three children. She now has four. Um, And, you know, I was a working mom. I was uh, full-time at Vogue magazine. Um, At that time, it was like 16 years, I believe, or 15 years, a long time. And, you know, was was chatting with my co-founder, Luisana, literally just complaining about how difficult and how annoyed we were um, by the process of shopping for our children online, because as I'm sure you both know, prior to Maisonette, the experience was, you know, a hundred web tabs open you're shopping for shoes at Zappos and maybe betting at Serena and Lily and like crew cuts and like Old Navy yeah. and Zara kids. And it was just mind numbing, right? You were sort of like, why, why is it that in every category in your adult life, yeah. whether it's your dogs or your groceries or your coffee or literally every category in your life has some form of an aggregated centralized solution, right? Okay. It's like a very easy destination for you to go and get everything you need in that category. Yeah. That's your go-to, basta, yeah. right? And for moms, particularly who are the most busy, yeah. um, it didn't exist. We were like, but surely this must exist. Like we just haven't discovered it. It must right. exist. We're not so tech savvy. I'm sure it's there somewhere. And, mm-hmm. and in doing the diligence, we realized that there was a few things happening. The first was, you know, ourselves included, there was this modern millennial family, right. Yeah. That, that, um, is very prevalent and, and that thinks about parenting very different than our parents' generation. Right. Yeah. So there's overwhelming information. There's overwhelming amount of products. There's no lack of supply. It's just really hard to find that information, um, particularly for a very thoughtful community of parents. Like 
am I feeding them the right things? Yeah. Is this onesie organic? Is there lead paint in my crib? Okay. You know, which is the best sh- uh, stroller and and, yeah. feed, and and feeding spoon? You know, I mean, there's so many different decisions that you need to make and you don't have- My a- fever dreams when I was like pregnant with my first one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know anything. And that's the thing. It's like, you're expected to become an expert overnight. You, yeah. you're, you're pregnant and you're like, I want- from being an adult with no responsibility to now needing to like make sure this person survives. So anyway, the story goes, we wanted to be that brand and that resource for parents, right? Not only just from a product perspective, sort of bringing, doing the work for our parents, bringing, you know, to market the things that we felt were the safest, the most valuable, the the most beautiful in in many cases, um, but also putting them into context. So understanding why you're choosing these things over other things. And so that's where our content really comes into yeah. play. And so Maisonnet is a curated marketplace yeah. um, of products and content for the modern family. Just what people want, you know, no one has time to do the, you know, edit of life on their, on their own. It takes, you know, it yeah. takes quite a bit of time and resources. Cool. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Anya's daughter just did a little modeling at Crew <laughs> at Crew Cuts. Yeah, that's um, amazing. I yeah, yeah, it's been fun working with them. They're a really sweet team. I um, love them too, and I worked with them actually a lot prior to Maisonette. But um, oh no way, such great stuff. Yeah, great well, stuff. I was going to ask Silvana because. Um, you and I met a long, long, long time ago when you were Anna's assistant. Like that's how long ago. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so (laughs) um, I think like, you know, it's part of the common lore. Everyone knows that you started at Vogue and I'm really interested to know sort of what, how you got into fashion. And then sort of as a uh, like follow-up question to that, if you think that Maisonette is so informed by your fashion career and if you think that this would have been an inevitability regardless of whether or not you had been at one of the most prestigious publications on the planet or like if this is fate or uh informed by your your history but I'd love to hear more about that I think there are no mistakes in life right it's sort of like the things happen for a reason so I, I came to Vogue very haphazardly right I I applied through HR I didn't have any like connections. I had worked in fashion um, in college at different internships. Um, I was actually, I worked in retail at Ralph Lauren, like as a, at at the cash wrap. And I was a, you know, I I learned how to sort of sell clothing and and fold clothing very well. (laughs) Um, But so came to Vogue pretty, you know, not, not even understanding what I wanted to do at that time. I was 20, you know, one, 22 years old, but um, worked my way, obviously randomly got this position, which was crazy. I, if I look back on my, on my outfit that I wore to interview with Anna, it was embarrassing. I mean, I had it was like <laughs> zero fashion. <laughs> it was like as corporate as it gets zero fashion, black and white, but you know, for whatever reason I got the job. Um, and then I thought, great, I'm going to be in fashion the rest of my life. And I'm going to be a fashion editor and I'm going to go to all the shows and it's so glamorous. And then Anna sort of tapped me on the shoulder and was like, can you head up events? And I was shocked because I had no <laughs> skill set. Um, Not just any of that, no though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and so in the Met Gala, and I sort of, I, I didn't even know what a run of show meant. You know, I was <laughs> truly not the not the event coordinator. Um, but 
it was so important that I took that position because that turned into a really more of like a strategic partnerships position where I was really in charge of raising money for a lot of the initiatives that we wanted to do for Vogue, including the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund, a lot of our political initiatives that Anna worked on. Um, so, and that's how I sort of figured out how to start Maisonette was I had a network of individuals and corporations that I worked closely with and you need money to start a business. And so, you know, that was my superpower. I was like, I can raise this money. I can do this. But if I look back at all the steps that led me to there, it was, it was so circuitous and so random. Um, and so I don't know if I would have done Maisonette. I mean, I think I would have done something. I think I have that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, I'm very much at the school of Vogue, which is like, no, it was not an option, right? Like mm-hmm. find a way to, to, <laughs> to, to manifest the yes. So I don't know. I do think that like the, the, the path in life is, is very important, you know, that, that you actually, that you actually take. Did, no mistake. That's a really good question. Did, did <laughs> have your children? spark the idea or were you already thinking about children? 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I mean, as the story goes, I mean, startups come from a need, hopefully a problem you're trying to solve. And it was a problem for, for me personally. And I hypothesized that it was not just my problem that a lot of parents were feeling this way. And so luckily I was right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was very, and it was just this, this also moment in my life where I was, you know, when you're, when you're, when you have babies, you're so tied to them in so many ways, right. From, from, from the time you, you give birth or, you know, whatever, it's just, you be, it's a totally new piece of your life. And I think I was so inspired by that and I wanted to spend more time with them. Um, and I wanted to fix this problem so that I could spend more time with them. <laughs> um, so yeah, certainly inspired by my children and as they grow, continue to be. Yeah. Does that affect your merchandising and your general idea? It's like, cause Anya and I were talking about this, uh, preparing and, you know, I have an 11 year old and a five-year-old boy and yeah. the only thing I know, anything above and below I've completely forgotten and I've given no thought to so, yeah. 150%. My merchandising team is, is sort of lives in fear of my children every year. Cause I'm like, guys, I'm trying to shop for Henry on site and I cannot find anything for him. And they're like, oh God, we're going to launch a new category. (laughs) I saw saw preteen, which is great because yeah, my, my child or my older one, just as he went from 10 to 11, it's like he has gone from childhood to he acts and seems exactly like a tiny teenager and he (sighs) dressed differently. He has such strong opinions. He's just Uh a little dude that it's, I mean, the the relationship yeah it's it's truly what what i've seen is sort of ages sort of zero to six and sometimes you could get away with seven is really about you dressing them there's not a lot of interest and sometimes it happens earlier but but as soon as they hit this mark they're they're no longer interested in what you buy them i if i buy them anything that they haven't seen prior to purchase they will not wear it yeah and so we, which is a big reason we started this brand Neon Rebels, because I, I really wanted it to be a brand that was kid driven, yeah. that kids actually shopped, right? Yeah. Because I wanted them to feel free to express themselves. Like fashion is a way of expressing who you are sure. at any given time, right? So it starts young. And to I your point, like case in point, Tilda <laughs> seems like she's quite the, um, I mean, she has a very strong sense of style. 
Yeah, stronger than any of us, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But it's by the way, I love that name. That is the best name ever. Oh, thank you. On my list now. On my list. It's really funny though because um, you know, I don't. She doesn't get a lot of screen time, or you know, just like another parent. Like I try to keep her as much as possible in real life. So I don't shop online a lot. But like as she's getting older and she's looking more to developing her own personal style, or like you know, thinking up crazy outfit ideas on her own. Um, she's really drawn to online shopping. Like she, she's really into like what things look like when they're modeled and how they're displayed. And she wants to have her own store in Italy when she grows up and all of this like yes. insane nonsense. But <laughs> it's but, brilliant um, it though. Actually, it makes me wonder though, Silvana, like how, as you guys are growing and especially as your kids are getting older, um, how do you address speaking directly to children? Because I think, you know, even for all of us right now, we're talking about kids that are like, and Kristen, 11, but 11 and below who are not like online shopping all day long and are not really like picking out their own things. Um, I wonder as you guys grow, how do you consider engagement directly with children? Or is that a thing that you even think about? You know, it's so funny because to your point, I'm I'm also a parent trying to limit screen time. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's new territory. There's also pretty strict regulation around um, marketing to children, right? Mm. So you aren't really, you're not allowed to market to children. Um, And I I sort of love that because I think that's the right path, but you know, she will exist on YouTube. (laughs) I feel like it's I mean, I would like to ask YouTube that very question because I can't leave my kids alone with YouTube. I'm like, I don't trust it. I don't trust the algorithm. It's no. going to get you somewhere. No, um, I, will, anyway. I will say, I will interject with the one YouTuber my 11 year old follows is a guy named Unspeakable. I think they play Minecraft or something. I don't really know. Uh-huh. I have Mm -hmm. vetted him. I feel okay about him. He's certainly, you know, G-rated and everything, but only wants to buy merch merch that this guy wears and hawks on his site. And it is sold out all the time. It's like time. Sure. It's all this stuff, but it's hard. And I would say, you know, we're not, we're not necessarily geared towards that, right? It's we're, we're, we're marketing to the parent. Um, A lot of our content, all of our content is parent-based and you know, um, caregiver based. So because we, our mission is to help sort of raise this next generation. Right. And I think the content is such a huge piece of this and it's really where we found our voice as a, as a brand as well. Um, I think what we're trying to think about is how do we bridge that gap? How do we do it responsibly? Um, because we're seeing it in our own kids. They want the freedom of expression. They want to explore. You want to give them that they, you want to empower them to do that. I think Tilda is, clearly expressing herself in this way. Right. And you want to give her that opportunity without sort of, you know, making, making her aware of a lot of the world we don't want to make her aware of (laughs) at this point. But, um, but I think it's a, it's a challenge. And I think we're taking it a day at a time. We don't have a, a, like a playbook right now because it's such a new category for us, but it is something as my kids get older that I, that we think about all the time. I mean, I will say just like as a parent who I can feel as my child is getting older, that sort of like tenuous connection starting to kind of slip a little bit around bonding about things like shopping. I'm so much happier to shop on Masonette than I am to like buy black tink, uh, black pink tour merchandise from the internet. I know. I know. It feels like more of a bond. It feels like something to do more together than it then does buying anything else. So yeah. Kudos on and that. I do that, that with, I, I do that with my kids too. <laughs> I, I let them, I let them scroll with me and, and 
and I feel, obviously I feel good about what's on my site. So I'm not concerned and that helps. Right. <laughs> For sure. So but thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. Safe place. Um, I know you've had pop-ups in the past. Do you have any plans or have you ever considered opening a physical store in New York or in Brooklyn or? I would love to, I would love to, love to, love to. We, you know, obviously with the pandemic, we, we put those plans on hold, but I, have always been a believer in kind of omni-channel marketing. And I think stores are such a great way to bring these things to life. And especially now that we have our private label brands, it's a, it's a really great way to sort of bring the customer in and, and, and have them take a peek and feel about the brand. So we're thinking about something in Q4. We're not quite sure what. I'd love to do a pop-up um, and I'd love to have stores. We just want to be cautious and careful about yeah. how we do it. Um, totally. And you know, and want to do it, but yes, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have um, kids sections in some of my stores around the country and yeah. they were never our highest grossing category because it was very, very curated, almost small. like 50, yeah. very small. But, um, I will tell you when you have it and you have the tiny little chairs and the cute little toys, uh, all of a sudden the kids are, you know, enamored and engaged and, you know, the parents get to shop and it's like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And it's a, That's it's, the experience it's, though. It's, that type of, you know, that is such a similar experience to so many of our vendors, which is that, you know, they're either in stores like yours, yeah. um, but, you know, you have a limited selection, you aren't, it doesn't show their full, their full um, catalog. And so it's tough for these brands to kind of scale, right? And so, you know, the, the beauty about Maisonette is that we really partner with them and we are helping these small businesses become real revenue businesses. So it's great. Um, Silvana, I want to jump back for a second because you had mentioned uh, pri the private labels that you guys have launched, and I just would love to hear about what inspired the beginnings of those or like how, mm -hmm. I mean, I know you, you touched on Neon Rebel a little bit, but just wondering sort of like where they came from or, yeah. um, and how they're doing and where they're going and all of those sorts of things. <laughs> yes. Yes. So if Neon Rebel is the kid driven line, Maze on Me, which was our first private label brand is much more parent driven, right? It's, it's the stuff that you feel good about buying for your kids, both from a price point perspective and from sort of a style perspective, right? You, you feel good about them wearing sweatpants because they're in a really beautiful palette and you know, you're, you're okay with buying these leggings because they're only $12 and, and they put holes in them, which inevitably they do. You'll feel good about buying another pair. Um, and I think that was really the problem we were solving. I, early days, you know, what, what I think we found as the, as the big gap in, in our vendor base was that it's really hard for small businesses to bring to market low pr price points, right? They don't have enough scale. They can't get MOQs from factories to, to sort of get the cost down to offer those prices. And so we really waited till we were at a certain scale where we could provide that to our customer and we could really invest in this brand um, and bring this sort of pricing that that was much more um, sort, of, sort of democratic, um, not only to expand our customer base, which has always been our, our strategy, um, but also to just get, you know, just to even sort of the demographic we had as customers already, no one is buying, you know, expensive leggings for their kids. And if they are, it's like a one-time purchase um, for whatever the, the event may be, but they, they shop for themselves in the way, or they shop for their kids in the way they shop for themselves. It's high-low. Like you'll go to Zara and buy a t-shirt, but you might overspend here for a dress that you're taking, that you're wearing to the holiday party. It's very similar to what the trends we see kids. So um, Maison Me was really what I wanted to see my kids in 
but at, at an approachable price point and that they could wear to school, that they could wear a play date. They could, you could also wear it to a, to a birthday party, you know, really versatile and kind of in that, in that aesthetic that feels like Maisonette, right? That feels kind of like Francophile, you know, elegant sort of worldly design. And do you find, because I feel like one of the commonalities amongst the Maisonette customer, and I could just be completely projecting (laughs) right now, um, you know, are those issues of organic materials and sustainability and Mm -hmm. conscious production and those sorts of things. And I guess I'm interested because I know it's very easy to shop from that perspective. I mean, you're making it obviously easier uh, on your site every day, but when you come, when it comes to production, when it comes to sourcing, how do you approach that on a brand perspective as the maker instead of just the buyer? Or and not you know just what? the buyer. Sorry, Kristen, I didn't mean to. Yeah, <laughs> no, just the buyer. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think um, it's something we think a lot about, um, and and honestly, it's it's hard, right? Creating clothes sustainably is hard. It's expensive. And so, you know, it's a part of the reason we, we really focus more on the marketplace vendors from that category, because we're able to bring a lot of them to market, right? We're able to help them grow their businesses. Early days, I think, you know, all businesses sort of have to get off the ground. Now that we are at a scale where we can be more thoughtful about all of those things, and, and we vet our fact, I mean, we, 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 are, we are very much um, above board on all of those things. We are um, focused, obviously, on that. Um, we actually just did a, a, a collaboration with Disney, and Disney is actually incredibly diligent about their factories and, yes, and yeah, I've the people they work before. with. They're wild. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, you can basically get nothing done, but yes. <laughs> they, they told us, they told us they're like, you are one of the brands that we, you're like one of the only brands we worked with where like everything came out with like roses. Right. And we were so proud that we had done that work and it's hard work and it's more expensive, but it's important. And, um, and so now we, we Marvel, is that right? Yeah, we yeah. did a Marvel uh, Spidey and his amazing friends collab, which is super cute. cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, we think about this, and and we have the luxury, you know, we are we are we are lucky to be in a position to do something about it and to work on it, and so we will, and we are. Um, but I think it's it's hard. It is really hard work, and and you need funding to do it. No, thanks for being honest about that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's super. It's 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 difficult, even as a parent. I mean, for myself. Yeah. I'm very anti-fast fashion. I don't buy any of yeah. it. I yeah. buy a designer, I buy sale or I buy small brands. I buy thrifted clothes. I mean, I just, I don't yep. fast fashion, but then when it comes to my children, you know, I will run into a gap and I will grab some, you know, sweatpants if I need them or, you know, yeah. if I, or socks or, you know, and I don't even know how crew cuts is, but I, I feel like it's okay. But, you know, I've always shopped there. Cause again, I can go on and I can buy five of the same sweater cause I'm gonna yep. it, or, you know, cause you kind of have to shop that way for at least I do. Totally. Kids. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty difficult to find, you know, those, those items that you feel good about that are again, not so, you know, expensive, but you also, it, it's tough even, you know, as a fairly informed, conscious consumer. Yeah. Yeah. I do find I, I make more concessions when it comes to my kids than I do for myself. And I'm always like, for sure. cringe. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone. We all do. <laughs> well, fine. Um, what are some of your favorite brands that you carry for kids? Cause I just, I don't really know anything about what's great in the children's market right now. Like, what do you want? There's so many, by the way, my daughter is slamming at my door and I don't know if you can hear that. This is, 
right? This is just like par for the course. She's telling on her younger sister. Um, there, are, <laughs> um, there are so many, we have, I mean, you guys, we have 1300 brands on site, which is bananas. Okay. Um, but, and all of them are so special and for different reasons, I think, um, in my phase of life right now, I would say for my son, I really love quartz two, one, three, I believe they're called. If you're, t- if you're looking for for stuff for your son they're super cool and they're they're like they're somewhat affordable they're not the very high end but it's like it's like tie-dye cool stuff and like cool slogans that like they they would wear it's not like babyish slogans and t-shirts and yeah I'm I'm totally into them for my boy for girls I love everything from you know question everything which has those really beautiful smocked dresses that I cannot get enough of. I mean, there's no, there's no girl who doesn't look so adorable in a smocks dress. Um, we, <laughs> My one regret, that and bloomers. I mean, not having, <laughs> not having little girls. I was always like, oh, this is just. It's really, it's really brilliant. Um, I also, um, I also love this brand called Lola and the Boys, which is kind of crazy, like unicorns. And like, it kind of reminds me of, um, Alessandra Michele Gucci, but in a kid's version, (laughs) if, but if you can have that lens on it, because it's like some of it, you're like, that's atrocious, but it's cool (laughs) in a a certain way. You know, know, we love young souls, which is a great shoe brand. They're comfortable and they're cute. I'm trying to think what else there's freedom, which I freedom Moses, which is so great. I need to buy They're it. so great. They have so many prints. So yeah. we've done a collaboration with them. I love their stuff. For PJs, Petite Plume is okay. so great. Mm-hmm. Um, just even for PJs for, for yourself, they have a ton of matching mommy and me moments. Um, you know, our toy brands, there's, we, the things we can, we literally have this, this toy that we cannot keep in stock called the, the Magical Lily Llama. It's, we cannot keep it in stock. I mean, it is crazy, <laughs> but uh, llamas, llamas are a thing. You've heard it here first. Wait, say it again. Um, <laughs> magical what llama? Magical lily llama. Oh my gosh. Magical. Anything llama, basically. It's like the new unicorn. Love it. Um, Cute. So yeah, there's too many to name and I'm, I've left out so many, but you know, it, it's the, it's the, the thing I love most about my job is just, I discover brands on my site every day and I'm like, when did this, when did they come on? This is amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, my, my, I was telling Anya, my five-year-old, he dresses like he's, you know, going to the gym in the eighties. Like he wears like new balance <laughs> and like, you know, sweatpants and with elastic waistbands and tube socks. Like he's like ready. Totally. Him. totally. And yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to, you know, dress him in really cute things in a while. Cause he's just not into it. But I do remember do you know the line Bobo Chosies? Did you yes. love them? They were one of our first brands, you guys. Okay. I will like I want to give a shout out here to Bobo Shows or Chosies. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. I don't know. Um, they were one of our first brands. They took a chance on us and we sell. I mean, I'm obsessed with their stuff. Just yeah. like, they're so cute. So cute. And I try to buy their stuff in if you buy them in like a 14 or 16 sometimes, I wear their stuff. You know, <laughs> it's very oversized. It's very oversized. So like, you can wear it. it's funny. I, I feel this is embarrassing to even say, but I was looking at the Rose um, children's collection because I was so, um, you know, interested that they were launching children. Yeah. And yeah. 
they did have these beautiful little cashmere crew neck sweaters. And I was like, mm-hmm. I think I could squeeze into a 14. And they <laughs> yeah. cute. sadly, the I feel like a lot of the row customers had that same thought at the same time. Yep. <laughs> oh, and I, and I like inquired at a couple stores and they didn't have that size. And I was like, oh, forget it. By the way, that's the, pro- <laughs> that's the biggest problem with teen is that once, once you get into teen sizing, they're buying women's wear basically, you know? And so it's like, it's a difficult market. It's a very finite amount of time. Yes. But amazing. All right. We have five mm-hmm. more minutes left. Um, any like mama style hacks? Like, is there something tried and true that you feel like every mom should have in her wardrobe? If you don't have a pair of Birkenstocks in your wardrobe, I second you that. need I mean, I have so many at this point, it's embarrassing. My husband's like, do you, did you invest? Is there, something? I don't know. Um, close, <laughs> but I'm just, and open. yeah, I, I feel uh, every collab, the, the, the like sheepskin, you know, the shirling, um, yeah. all of them. I would also say a cross body bag, particularly as a new mom, because you need to be hands-free. That is, I, I barely buy shoulder. I mean, if it's not cross body, I don't buy a bag anymore. Yeah. Um, because it's like your Mary Poppins, you need all the things. No, only when I'm out without my children do I have like an elegant little, you know, yeah. top handle bag, and I'm like, oh, yeah, look at me now. <laughs> brilliant, it's very, brilliant. Very um, yeah, what else would I say? Um, I, I just think I, and I'm just like, I'm just like a grateful, I, I think that like loungewear is in because it's yeah. just like, you know, you can actually wear that to drop off and people think you look edgy, you know, and it's like, (laughs) (laughs) um, and you're like, I literally rolled out of bed. So this is our moment. (laughs) Anya knows my style hack is a a great coat because (gasps) same thing. I, I realized very early on that I could wear like, you know, Anything, anything underneath yeah. <laughs> I had a good coat on to cover up the whole thing so I feel like by the way I, 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 the I say the same thing about I say about the same thing about a red lip it's like if you put a red lip on you could be wearing anything yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah what Anya what's no yours? I don't I really don't I thought about it so much after we talked Kristen I do not have a style hack I feel like um the only only thing that's changed for me after becoming a parent has just been not wearing heels as much. Like I used to wear heels all the time, um, but I'm also quite tall. So I feel like for a lot of women, that's also not an option, you know, or not that it's not an option. Everyone can wear whatever they want, but like, it's not as comfortable a thing. I can wear flats and I'm still easily able to see above everyone's heads on the sidewalk. Yeah. I made like a a rule that like nothing over two and a half inches, nothing. Yeah. You got to be able to run. You got to be able to run and like jump over something in a pretty short amount of time. (laughs) Amazing. All right. I'm going to let Anya do one more question. And then I have just one other, just because I, I would love to know this because I, I'm very into podcasts. That's why I started one. Um, but I don't know anything about parenting podcasts except for one that a friend turned me on to recently by a psychologist called Ask Lisa. And that's pretty good. It's all about mm-hmm. like, children's psychology, you know, when you're trying to talk to them, <laughs> things like that. Um, so I don't know. Do you have any great parenting podcasts that you love? Yeah. So there's one called Good Humans. Great. Um, and it's uh, actually friends of mine, Bronwyn and Aliza. They have a, this company called Seedlings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it in New York, but like it's a, effectively like 
when you have a baby, you could, you join a group. It's a, it's a mom group. Okay. Um, and so it's a lot of like at every stage they're, they're preparing you and talking to you about all sorts of things. How do you, how do you minimize screen time? How do you deal with tantrums? All, all the things. Yeah. Um, I think they have a really smart perspective on it and they are both doctors. They are both very well read. Um, and you know, it's, it's sometimes nice to feel like, um, you know, you're not doing everything wrong. So (laughs) they have a very sort of wide spectrum of, of, you know, what it means to parent and, and how nothing's really wrong. So I want to, I want to listen to that. Anya, do you listen to any parenting podcasts? You know, I don't, I listen to a lot of podcasts about reparenting yourself. Like I, Mm. I actually am a firm believer that working on yourself is the best possible thing that you can do to like be a stronger parent for whoever it is that you're raising. Um, but I wish I knew more. I wish I knew more. I totally agree with you, Anya. And I have, um, well, there's so many, you know, my therapist, for example, is like my favorite yeah. human. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the podcast, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually want her to do a podcast because she's so good mm. at it. Um, okay. but, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it's sort of like I, one of the big things I take away all the time, or I try to remind myself because I think there's so much guilt in parenting, right? You're always like, I'm, I shouldn't be doing nothing for myself. It's always for someone else, always for your kids. Um, and if you're not doing that, then there's guilt. And I think you need to, yeah, you just need to like get rid of the guilt. So I try to remind myself that like, what's good for me is good for my kids. 100%. Love that. All right, lady. Well, that's a good, um, a good moment to end on, I think. On that note. <laughs> on that note. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining this us. This was so today. fun. Really awesome, really informative. And yeah, I look forward to shopping your site more often. Now that I've now that I've spent even more time on it recently, <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of really cute things on here. So yeah, no, and check out our content. Check out La Scoop. La Scoop has a lot of great parenting hacks as well. It's it's mm-hmm. pretty good. So, but thank you guys. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Ladies.